The Club Championship Show on OTB Sports. Brilliant game of hurling, edge your seat stuff, Tony Kelly, masterclass from start to finish. To win a Connacht Senior Championship is uh, it's special. The Club Championship Show. Subscribe to the GEA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. We've got a busy show ahead. It is France who will play Argentina in the World Cup final. Uh, it's been quite a week since we last spoke to John Giles. We're going to talk about the brilliance of Messi, Mbappe, what went wrong with England, what went wrong with Brazil, all that coming away with John from half past seven. And then from nine, Kevin Kilban back with us once again uh, on the football show live from Qatar from 9 o'clock uh, Ursula Jacob will be looking ahead to the club Camogie finals they're taking place at Crow Park on Saturday and after 8 o'clock uh, we're going to talk to Meg Linehan who's senior writer for The Athletic and Meg was the one who initially broke the story of allegations against Paul Riley, a coach in American soccer uh, just over a year ago now, and it has led to any number of investigations. And one of them, a joint report compiled by the National Women's Soccer League and the Players Association was released last night. And Vera Pau, the Ireland manager, is one of nine coaches named in that report. And it says that Vera Pau shamed players for their weight and attempted to exert excessive control over their eating habits. Players credibly reported that Pau criticised players for their appearance, for example, saying that some players were too big, while praising other players for losing weight with no apparent correlation to performance or health. It says that players were shamed for their weight, attempted to exert excessive control over their eating habits and every aspect of their lives. So we're going to talk about that, about the full report, because there is uh, some really horrifying detail in there on Paul Riley and Christy Holly, who's a coach who was born in Derry who was working in the league as well that's coming up after 8 o'clock and the FAI AGM is actually on this evening so the FAI haven't released any statement as of yet surrounding Vera Pau but we are expecting to hear from Jonathan Hill uh, the FAI CEO a little bit later tonight Richie McCormick is with us good evening Richie hey Nathan Uh, Joe Malloy is there as well good evening Joe Evening, gents. How are you? I'm sure a lot of people have been reading the headlines around this report. It is 125 pages long. Um, It's incredibly extensive. And the vast majority of it is on far more serious allegations against male coaches and sexual coercion of players and their treatment of young female players. But Vera Pau is one of nine coaches named as, I think, part of a bigger culture issue. And it is mainly around weight shaming and Vera Pau. And I'm sure people have read this and maybe have seen the headlines that, you know, Vera Pau uh, didn't want anybody eating fruit because of the high sugar content. And I've seen a lot of comments that... Well, you know, Antonio Conte went in at Tottenham and banned ketchup and this is what managers do and managers want control. They want full control over everything and that professional sports people should be fit, that their weight should be in check all of the time. It is worth pointing out that she, the quote is, she appeared to want to control and micromanage players' diets and exercise regimes even when her weight loss directives were inconsistent with sports medicine's best practices. So there's questions that are definitely going to have to be answered around that. Uh, Maybe the biggest question that Vera Pau is going to have to answer is about the fact that when a player went to Vera Pau about a teammate struggling with an eating disorder, uh, the Vera Pau acknowledged that that happened, um, that somebody had come to her, but denied any role and stated that the reporting player should have taken responsibility as an adult by looking out for her teammates sooner. And that when questions were raised, that Vera Pau didn't react appropriately. Mm. 
Yeah, there's a lot in it, as you said. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Pau appeared but refused to cooperate in an interview. This is a very thorough investigation, and as you rightly say, there are a range of offences here, uh, right up to criminality, down to absolutely much, 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 much lesser offences, uh, inappropriate comments about players' wake, for instance, in, in Pau's alleged case. But she appeared before the... Uh, investigation and refused to cooperate but she did provide a written denial of what she suspected were the allegations against her which is curious I think in in many ways I mean so she had a suspicion of what the allegations were but she wouldn't cooperate Uh, I I would suggest unless there was very compelling advice she should cooperate with an investigation as official and thorough as this but that's for her to explain in due course they spoke to a hundred current and former players they spoke to 90 current and former staff. There were 200,000 documents examined here, text messages, emails. Uh, The joint investigative team do make the point that there were allegations against certain certain coaches where a burden of proof wasn't satisfied and therefore those names and details were not included in this report. And they make a point as well of saying in their, their introduction that they didn't name people lightly here that there was either a need for public accountability or the misconduct was severe or the misconduct was repeated. But they stressed, we didn't just throw names into this report and Vera Pez's name is in this report. So I'm very curious to see what the FAI say later on this evening. I, I would think, looking at the report and absolutely acknowledging Vera Pez's denial, uh, the FAI in all likelihood have to set in motion an independent assessment of the Vera Pau setup as it currently stands and as it has been because they have a duty of care uh, to the Irish players and so they need to get credible people or a credible company to investigate and report back as quickly as possible. It doesn't need to become a media saga, it doesn't need to become a witch hunt but everybody needs to be satisfied in light of this very credible report in the States that things are being done properly around the Irish camp and we proceed from there. So I think that is step one here, and that's an important step, and I'd be uh, surprised and disappointed, frankly, if the FAI did not make that move. As for the nature of the offences, Nathan, in in Pau's case, I mean, there are accounts of Pau having, quote, outbursts, uh, emotional yelling in which she would get up into a frenzy. It seems she was living in the same complex as a number of players, and there was a, a, a control freak element to her behavior and the um, reports of the players. Again, the obsession with diet and size seems to have been uh, very strong. I, I, as you rightly say, I think some people will read that and say, well, Pep Guardiola doesn't let players train if they're uh, the tiniest amount overweight. It may well be in the delivering of the message that the issue is as much as anything. Although the report does say that some of the directors were inconsistent with sports medicine best practices, for instance. So, I mean, that needs to be uh, looked at, I think on a on a on a broader level, which includes the POW allegations as opposed to the more serious allegations I stressed. But on a broader level, this reads to me like the beginnings of the H or workplace world starting to get involved in dressing room culture because some of the um, you know the outbursts and the emotional yelling, for instance, I think they would be behaviours which would be almost romanticized and celebrated we can name you know the hairdryers is, is, is we, we don't even need to say the manager you know? i was only so, telling the story yesterday of harry redknapp slagging off adult rap for a bit of stone and a half overweight and been useless and lazy and everybody yeah. laughing along at it 
Yes, exactly. Precisely, and those examples are, are are plentiful. And we every you know, in GEA dressing rooms, right through to professional dressing rooms, the story of managers, uh, frankly, losing the rag, or in the words of this um, report, emotional yelling outbursts, uh, you know, being con- overly controlling, all of these things, uh, they are a part of the culture. And this strikes me now of, as the beginning of uh, workplaces trying to police dressing rooms as workplaces. And I suspect managers and players of previous generations will shake their head and say the game is gone. Uh, But I think maybe perhaps dressing rooms and what went on in them was just excused far too readily for far too long. And and this is probably the beginning of it because uh, reading the account of POW, again, not knowing specifically um, what went on, I wasn't there. But I would think many, many coaches in world sport, not just in football, would, would read those accounts and think, well, if, if that's crossing the line, I have also crossed the line. But again, um, why Pau didn't cooperate with the investigation, I think is questionable. And, and certainly the FAI have to satisfy everybody that best practice is being followed now uh, around the, the women's team. And I think that needs to happen post-haste. So that, they're my broad thoughts. I don't know what, what line you want to jump onto. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, the line about what's acceptable in a dressing room and how that will develop over the coming years. Uh, we recorded, Meg, before we came on, and we're going to put it out at, at 8 o'clock. You can watch it on our social channels now. And I, I, I did make a broad point of, are we going to have to look at how females are coached compared to male players? And she was making that valid point of, well, maybe we need to look at how male players are coached and what is acceptable towards male players because as you say I think everybody's been in a dressing room like it's every manager comes in and roars and loses the head and you know even listening to what Eddie Jones has been doing in recent weeks like players left in tears like mm. should that just be acceptable because it's a male player and he, we tell him man up and take it and it's for the better of the team I don't think so um, I think you're right I think the there's definitely a tone issue obviously with Vera Pau and the way she comes across the players but there are things that she will have to answer surrounding a player coming to her and raising a concern that what Vera Pau had said had contributed to a teammate's eating disorder, Vera Pau denying that and saying that the player who reported it should have taken responsibility as an adult. Like These Irish players spend a lot of time in camp. The FAI need to be sure that if there was an issue at any stage that it would be handled differently to that. We don't know as of yet, do the FAI, were they aware that Vera Pau hadn't cooperated with the inquiry? So I think there's a there's a lot of questions to answer, and I'm surprised there hasn't been a statement yet. Vera Pau is actually due on the show tomorrow evening, um, and uh, hopefully that will go ahead and we'll be able to ask her uh, these questions. Uh, Richie, I know the FAI AGM is on this evening, um, and there is a media conference on later tonight. So uh, regardless of what happens at the AGM, I suspect this will be topic number one, and Jonathan Hill is going to have to talk about it. Yeah, it's kind of superseded everything. Another thing I'd be curious to know. Uh, if they knew of any of these allegations before Pau was appointed because she was in charge obviously in Houston in 2018 uh, seemed to leave there kind of abruptly and the, um, there was kind of ambiguous language in her statement when she said she left or why she left and she thought it was best just to head back to Holland with her husband at the time uh, which is one of the lines in it so it would be interesting to know if they were aware uh, of any kind of hint of this kind of stuff before Pau got the Ireland gig um, and how they react to it as well like as Joe mentioned there is, is key because there will need to be that investigation, uh, even if it's not entirely long range, but they need to find out from the players what the atmosphere and what the environment and what the culture is like within that dressing room under Vera Pau at the moment. Because, like, as we mentioned, 
the allegations laid towards her, the one regarding the eating disorder is obviously um, bad. Generally, in in the scale of the the the, the report, she's at the you know the lighter end of the scale. But regardless, for her to be named in such a public manner and for her to be in charge of a national football team, it's not a great look for this stuff to come out, particularly uh, with the World Cup on the horizon. Uh, the written denial, Joe, that Vera Pau sent to the investigators hasn't been published, uh, so we'll have to see. Does Vera Pau release that herself? As you said, it is quite unusual that when. She went in front of them. She refused to cooperate, but did seem to know what was coming and what she was going to be accused of. Yeah, that wording struck me as very interesting. You know, um, I'm not cooperating. I don't know the specifics of what you're alleging, but here's my defense nonetheless. Uh, again, it remains to be seen. That may have been just a very short statement to say I've, I've behaved impeccably at all times, regardless of what the allegations are, or it may have gone into great detail and may have been lengthy again. That's where the FBI have just released certain. a statement, yeah. Joe. I was, oh, I was just going to read it out there as well. Yeah, the Football Association of Ireland is aware of an NWSL and WSLPA joint report into historical events within its own league in which Republic of Ireland women's national team manager Vera Powell has been referenced. Neither the FAI or Vera had sight of this report before it was published. And we note that Vera has already expressed her views to the authors of the report. The FAI crucially continues to support Vera and her team as they prepare for the upcoming FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. And so that statement ends. It doesn't really answer anything. I think it's fair to say. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that cuts the mustard, frankly. No, I, I, I don't know what the it, line, neither the FAI or Vera had sight of this report before it was published. And we note that Vera has already expressed her views to the authors of the report. Well, the, the report says she didn't cooperate with the investigation. They make a point of stating that, they, that she didn't cooperate with the investigation. And uh, I'm very surprised. I would have anticipated a placeholder type statement this evening that the FAI were going to read this report over the coming days, discuss things with Vera and go from there to... And again, I, I, you just have to independently assess what's going on with your own players now. There's a duty of care there. Again, I accept Vera Powers denied the allegations. I accept they're on the lower end of the scale. But that notwithstanding, the report said they didn't name... Uh, coaches lightly and that they were very confident in naming coaches that there were credible allegations and so I think it really behoves the FAI to absolutely ensure that the working environment for those players who've been through plenty under the the, the care of the FAI if we can use that word over the last uh, decade and beyond because um, now you, you, you run the risk let her tenure play out absolutely do nothing don't look into it too closely and then what if when she leaves a player feels more comfortable in speaking up and saying, actually, there was a problem. Uh, that leaves the FAI in an unacceptable uh, position, I would say. So, look, this it doesn't have to be a witch hunt. It has to be a, look, this report has been published. It behoves us now to ensure that everything has been done properly and this is a happy camp and let's just do that. All right, we'll keep an eye on that uh, FAI AGM and uh, Richie, I know there's a press conference later yeah. so we can uh, report on that and it'll be on all our social channels as well and I'm sure they'll be talking about it on OTBAM in the morning. Uh, the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, what else is happening, Richie? Yeah, Daniel Whiffen in better news has become the first Irish swimmer in history to set a new European record. The Armagh swimmer shaved two seconds off the previous best in the 800 metre freestyle with a time of 7 minutes 25.96 seconds today at the Irish Winter National championships in Dublin. It makes him the fourth fastest of all time in the discipline and speaking to Swim Ireland afterwards, Whiffen says he knew he had something special in him this week. Yeah, I knew that I'd be sub 7.30. I was aiming for a top 10 in the world. 
uh, ever, so I think I'm supposed to be fourth, but uh, I, I said quietly that I'd go for a European record um, to all my friends in Loughborough, but yeah, I, I just, I'm happy here. How good is this guy, Richie? Uh, seemingly very, very good. He's been on the radar um, from quite a young age. Obviously, he's working over in Loughborough uh, with the athletes over there in England. So has been performing at a really good level at under, underage tournaments and then kind of dipping his toe into more senior events recently as well. And seemingly has it within his grasp to go on and be one of the one of the what's uh, I don't want to say one of the all time greats, but certainly in terms of Irish swimming, if you're talking about somebody at his age who's now the fourth fastest of all time in the 800 meter freestyle uh, and a European record holder. And this is all while he didn't really have ample preparation time, he said beforehand for this tournament and that ultimately he looks towards the the long course. This is a short course, obviously, meet, and he's looking towards the long course stuff next year. The the, the ceiling for him is, is very, very high, it would seem. Uh, we have full live and exclusive commentary of Ulster La Rochelle on Saturday evening in the Heineken Champions Cup and we have uh, Munster against Northampton at one o'clock on Sunday poor old Oisín Langan is on commentary and you know Oisín he likes his Michelin star restaurant for lunch like, he doesn't know whether he <laughs> like should I go in Belfast should I be down in Dublin uh, there's still no confirmation as where this game is going to happen uh, no, not yet. They said they're going to promise um, daily updates on the state of the Kingsman Stadium pitch. There hasn't been one so far yet today. If there has been in the interim, uh, please by all means uh, let me know. Uh, but yeah, they have been using heaters and they've been using frost covers and all sorts to make sure that Saturday's game does go ahead. Uh, one player who won't be involved though is Andrew Warwick, the prop, hit with a three-week ban for that dangerous tackle last week on sales, Manu Tuolagi. The incident occurred during the defeat to the Premiership side in the Heineken Champions Cup and the prop is going to miss this week's game with La Rochelle. The following week's game in the URC with Connacht but Warwick could return for the New Year's Day derby meeting with Munster that's if he attends a tackling coaching course something of course Bundyaki benefited from in terms of an early return in the autumn uh, It is a complete mess for Ulster two days out from a huge game after the hell of a beating they took last weekend uh, their CEO Johnny Petri sent out a statement about half an hour ago uh, which didn't really clarify anything just saying that works are continuing uh, they're keen to play the game at Kingspan Stadium and come back tomorrow for more information it seems one of the problems obviously the weather's going to get better on Sunday and they'd like to push the game back but this is the free to air game in France and uh, the World Cup final is on on Sunday France are playing in that so uh, that doesn't really work and every team does need a backup their backup is the RDS so they'll have to make a, a decision sooner rather than later the, uh, the, the key words in that uh, statement, I'm looking at contingency plans and continue to be in regular contact with the EPCR. So I think there's an underlying pessimism to that statement and their ability to get the game played on Saturday, which means there might be two days of Carvery for uh, Arushin Langan, uh, which I'm not, no doubt he's probably happy about. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be overly confident reading Johnny Petrie's uh, statement there this evening that this game will go ahead. Although, as you mentioned, uh, the weather's going to improve. I was looking at the Belfast forecast later on today. It's going to marginally increase in terms of temperature by a couple of degrees. Uh, it's not going to be sub-zero anyway, at least uh, tomorrow and Saturday, I don't think. So fingers crossed on their behalf. But to get it done, uh, I think when they need to get it done is is going to be uh, paramount to them because Sunday's going to be ugly. The other problem uh, for the Champions Cup, Richie, is uh, the Gloucesters of this world who turn up with their second string side to take their beating at Leinster. 
do you know what? There is a wider point here as regards how seriously your otherwise teams are taking this because the, there was a, an attendance issue, of course, with the South African sides for all the talk of them joining the competition. They didn't really turn up in terms of their crowds anyway, at least last week. Uh, but certainly, yeah, Jonathan Sexton returns to the Leinster bench for tomorrow's Heineken Champions Cup visit of Gloucester to the RDS. A calf injury means he hasn't played since November's win over the Springboks. Leo Cullen has made four changes to the team that Trent's racing last week with Luke McGrath, Ronan Kelleher, Ross Maloney and Jack Conan all coming into the starting 15. Gloucester have made 13 changes to the team that saw off Bordeaux last week. Only fullback Lloyd Evans and winger Alex Searle are retained. Leo Cullen was asked today about the threat posed by the Premiership side. Well, set piece is our biggest thing. Um, very strong kicking game. Uh, Line-out mall, I think, is probably the biggest threat. So, you know, they're, they, they, they kick the ball a lot from nine in particular. Obviously, Mean has come in. Um, very experienced player he is. But it's, it's the line-out mall is probably the biggest threat. So, that's what we've tried to deal or tried to prepare our forwards in particular with this week. It's a hell of a convoluted system, the group stage of the Champions Cup now, Joe. I won't ask you to explain it. It, it, it does feel like it's a knockout stage competition now. Uh, yeah. And you just you just want a competition where the best teams want to play each other every single time and put out their best 15. Yeah. And the group stages used to be so great. Mm. You know, that's the other strange thing here. So... We are where we are. This competition has been messed around so badly on several occasions, and it's suffering for it now. The group stages are just not what they were. Uh, but to be like, I, I, that said, I really enjoyed opening weekend because we had, well, the Ulster drama was its own mad drama, and the La Rochelle game now is, is, is so um, must watch if you're, you know, if you're, if you're in any way interested in Irish rugby. Uh, Leinster away to Racing was brilliant. This Friday won't be very good, but Leinster, like, Leinster have always particularly of late, had teams that they hockey in the group stages and even in, you know, quarterfinals at times. And then Munster away to Northampton, that's very interesting as well. So, like, I think from an Irish point of view, it hasn't been a bad um, uh, schedule this year. But um, on the whole, yeah, I, I have, I've yet to meet anybody who likes the direction it's it's going in. Knockout stages will be brilliant. I'm kind of, I'm not as down on it, I have to say, that th- this tournament as, as, as people generally are. I understand the sense it's not what it used to be, but... Like it still gives us some of the best rugby we see all year. So I, I don't know. Like Gloucester, we've always had Gloucester turning up, and 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 here we're here to take our beating. Unfortunately, it's going to be brilliant. Half five, <laughs> Ulster Larry. Sorry, is that the one? Is that the one that's on? Uh, no, no, that's, that's we have not that one? one. We don't have that one. So that's, oh, grand. Yeah, you know, we we pick the best games. You know, yeah. of course. Or, we, if we have Ulster and Munster, I mean, they are. I mean, that, they genuinely are the two. They, games, are, they are the yeah. absolute pick. Uh, Richie, give us two quick stories. Uh, Bundiaki returning to the Connacht Centre for tomorrow night's Challenge Cup game away to breathe their first starts as well for his tight head Sam Illo and Locke Dara Murray and France look set to have almost a full deck from which to deal for Sunday's World Cup final Adrian Rabiot and Dio Upamecano return to training today having missed last night's semi-final win over Morocco through illness meanwhile Poland's Simon Marciniak will referee Sunday's final the 41 year old took charge of France's group game with Denmark in the last 16 and the clash of Argentina and Australia while Portugal are the latest country to opt for a change manager after a disappointing World Cup the 8 year reign of Fernando Santos came to an end today following their quarterfinal defeat to Morocco the 68 year old did manage Portugal to their European Championship victory back in 2016 you know Joe one of the most important things for a radio producer is to have a poker face so like Mick McCarthy sits out there every night and inside he hates us he hates us yeah. as we overrun we don't go to the abreks we don't do the thing we want but somehow this he just helping. keeps his, his, his eyes down and doesn't acknowledge us in any way so when I threw to Richie there, Catherine literally had her head in her hands of, how could you do this to me? And yeah. now she's shaking her head. She's angry. She's really angry. She we threw her go. pen at the glass towards yeah. me last night. She had night. a full-on dumpy. How could you do this to me? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough in there. It's not going to get better over the next two and a half hours. No, oh, God, no. no. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long night. Raise their eyes to heavens at you there, Joe. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we got to go. Uh, Richie, you're back at 10 o'clock, though. You're uh, yeah, covering for Tom Dunn. Yeah, from 10 till uh, midnight tonight. And then a bunch of nights over the Christmas as well from Stevens' day onwards. So, uh, yeah, keep your dials tuned to News Talk after off the ball for all that. Hardest working man in showbiz. Joe, absolutely. What a man. Enjoy your I'll, uh, I'll see you in January, guys. It's been emotional. Oh, Jesus Christ, you yeah. lazy bum. Where are you going next Thursday? We're going to be right here. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, okay. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Thursday. All right. Uh, John John's coming up in a moment. Time